Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Morning, Matt. Morning. You all right? Yeah, very well. Feeling better now. Starting to sleep a little bit better. The ribs are improving, so um, I'm aware I'm still talking about them. But yes, it's, uh, it's getting <laughs> no, a little it's bit so better. It's so frustrating when you have something like that and you're just grumbling the whole time. You just oh, sort of feel cross from waking up to going to yeah, bed. Yeah, endless, endless. But um, saw the physio yesterday. Starting to get some improvement. But anyway, how are you? You're still are you still out in Budapest? Is it? Yeah, so just outside a place called Lake Balaton, which is actually a really beautiful spot, and we've got a house in. Like with a little pool and stuff, so uh, we've just been having pancakes this morning, and it's a bit uh, of a cold, uh, overcast day. So don't give me that. Yeah, it's down to low twenties. Yeah. Weirdly, they've got they've got a sauna here, so it's bizarre because it was thirty six the other day. But I've put the sauna on, and my wife and kids have gone out to that. Um, oh, seems a bit it. strange, but but so I think we'll have them doing that and sudden splashes in the pool. But yeah, I think it's it's all pretty pretty nice and chilled out. Everyone's having a nice time. Yeah. Good stuff. And the, the World Athletics Championships were good? Yeah, really good, actually. Britain did very well. Um, obviously, you, can be, uh, you know, you get a bit um, caught up in the GB kind of element of it with the work I do. Um, but they got 10 medals, which is equals their best they've ever had at the World Championships. So 1993 in Stuttgart was the last time they did that, that well. And there were some really good ones, you know, Katarina Johnson-Thompson winning gold and Josh yeah. Kerr winning it in the 1500. And they're really, really good people to talk to. You want those sort of athletes. And they're so good at selling their sport and the emotion of it. Josh Kerr was talking really well about how this hopefully will be a springboard to, to grassroots you know more more kids taking it up and KJT's very hot hot on her sleeve and really lovely stuff so so I, I enjoyed yeah. it enormously it's a great city Budapest I can't, you, you'd never race there did you know no never been I would love to go love to go yeah it's definitely on the on the list certainly yeah. um but yeah I wasn't I wasn't anywhere quite as glamorous as that I was in Northamptonshire racing in the rain um, at Silverstone or? Silverstone yeah the Silverstone Festival um, it's good fun though. And with, I was with Alex Brundle in a 1965 Mustang, racing against all these. I've, pre, I've seen, I've seen the car. Did he create? Yeah. He, he he did the work on it, did he as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's nicknamed the Brustang because the Brundle's <laughs> Mustang. Um, but yeah, really good, really good fun. He's an amazing driver, obviously. Um, really nice guy. And it was a, a two-driver pairing. Um, he did all the hard work and handed it over <laughs> to me, and then I slowly went back through the bunch but apart from that it was uh, it was good fun i had to do a double take when i was at one of the grand prix i think it was saudi arabia this season and he was doing the commentary for like an f2 or f3 race he actually really sounds like his dad he does yeah, I mean, obviously, I know who Alex is, but it was just weird to double take that how similar the voice was, but just just slightly slightly off, as it were. So yeah, he's becoming a really accomplished broadcaster, he's very commentator. Good. Yeah, very yeah good. really good, just like his dad. But um, yeah, it's it was a good weekend, apart from the the weather wasn't the best. But you know, it's, has it has it been crap all? Has it been crap for the last week or two? Yeah, I, yeah. as if you didn't know. Yes, of course, you sit there <laughs> in the sunshine. No, well, the first day, yourself. the first day in Budapest, someone said, "Last bit of advice: don't pack a coat." And I looked at the forecast, and sure enough, it was absolutely fine. And I walked from my hotel to the media accreditation. It was about a forty-five minute walk along the river. I thought that'd be great, and it 
from nowhere, this storm hits, and I've got a great picture of my accreditation where I'm lit. I can't even see through my glasses because they take the photo as you arrive, and I'm just dri absolutely dripping for the rest of the day. I was soaked to the skin, and it's not rained. Um, well, yeah, I didn't rain still not getting any sympathy. Then. No, we had, a cool, we had a cool yeah. electric storm, which the kids love uh, so at night. So it gets so, so hot, I think, and then it breaks. And it just means each day starts a bit nicer, but it's a bit, it's a bit mad. But yeah, I'm not looking for sympathy, definitely not. <laughs> so today is a really exciting podcast, I think. Um, yes. It's a guest that we've been looking forward to. Not that we, you know, for other guests that might might be listening, we look this, forward this, to you all. This one was sort of long time in the making, wasn't it? Or yes. it seemed like it was yeah. brewing for a while. And this is coming through you, hasn't it? You've got a connection to us. Yeah. Guests. So um, this morning's guest, or today's guest, is Alex Horn who is a very talented musician, comedian, broadcaster, presenter. Uh, he's written TV shows. He's written all sorts. Um, yeah, very funny, very talented. And um, I first became aware of, well, I'd, I'd heard of this horn section. I've been a fan of them for a few years. And well, maybe wait until he comes on to start telling the full story. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah think, we can, we can, we can save it. But I, from my perspective, yeah. we, we want, there's not many programs as a family we can all watch together, but Taskmaster is one of them, despite a bit of inappropriate language for our 11-year-olds. Uh, but I think he hears that words from, from me and his brother and people at school anyway. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that we all love watching. We're not, we're not through it all yet, but um, yeah, it's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant show. Great show, great uh, show. Such a clever, uh, the best ones are almost, you know, it's, it's a relatively simple idea, but so beautifully mm. and well done. And, 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 and Greg Davis and Alex Horn together are just sort of almost perfection, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I think... I've, I could be wrong. We can ask Alex, but I think, I think he wrote it and, and came yeah. up with the concept. Yeah, I, think, so. I think that's right. And he loves his sport. I think he's a football fan, a keen golfer, uh, and there's a bit of cycling in there as well. Even if just oh, really? well, no, no, mus musically, as we might find out later. Oh, I, see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's quite well. it's a bit a bit a bit of a tenuous sporting link, perhaps. But um, mm. yeah, he should be he should be good value. Good morning. Hey, morning. hi, Alex. Hello, everyone. How Hi, are you Chris. doing? Hello, Matt. I'm good. Yes, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I yeah. feel I, I feel like we're really underprepared in terms of as a podcast. Um, I, we should have some music prepared. We should have a little introduction. Um, you know, I was I, I was re-listening the episode of your podcast when I was very fortunate to be a guest, and the amount of work and effort and preparation and it 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 feels kind of rude to call it a podcast. It's so much more than a podcast. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it, that was that was the death of it as well. Though it took so much work. Oh, it's so expensive. We we lost a lot of money every week, but we had a lot of fun. But you made a lot of people happy, including me. Yeah, I, we really want to do it again, but it's just so much, so much work. You know, you're in front of a cupboard. Are you? Yeah, exactly. You should you should do what we do. Yeah. We have zero, we have zero budget. We barely even have internet here. So um yeah, it's this is this is no, how you do it. Zero yeah, So what are you up to at the moment then? What's what's taking up your time? Well, children really. So summer holidays gone on forever and ever. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. I mean mine's not go back to school till next Wednesday, which is months, yeah. it feels like. When uh, you're a um, kid, the summer holidays are the most exciting time and you look forward to it. And the only only now you realise your parents must have been going. Oh, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to fill the days? You know, yeah. when the weather's good, they can go out and run around and tire themselves out and play. But when it's raining, like it has been for the last two months, it feels like. Yeah, it's not easy. We went to, we went to Canada for a month, which was amazing, and we uh, hired an RV and drove around and did stuff every single day, which is 
the best holiday we've ever had. But since we got back, it's just not it's not the same. <laughs> There's no uh, white water rafting and stuff like that. But, um, so listen, thank you so much for for coming on our little podcast here. Um, basically, an excuse to meet our comedy heroes and to to get you on and to chat to you about your sporting misadventures, highs and lows, things that have, that you uh, you know sports you enjoy participating in, sports you like to watch. Um, yeah. What what is your sporting background? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've had a little thing about this because Matt gave me a little heads up. Um, mm-hmm. But I mainly just loved school because of sport. You know, school was all about the sport. Uh, and then went to university and carried on. And actually, I was a sports reporter at Cambridge University. I wanted to be a sports reporter, so I, I, I wrote. I was a sports editor for the newspaper. But then wasn't good enough to carry on playing at any sort of level. So had children, and then become uh, become one of those dads that lived through them. Uh, but <laughs> sort of got back into. Uh, are, we, are we doing the podcast yet? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Is this the podcast now? This is as good as it gets, mate. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Reset your expectations. Yeah, this is this this is it. And this is no, this is it's when it's gone well, actually. You know, I thought I better I better not say any stories yet because they might want them for the podcast. But this is the podcast. <laughs> I'll talk slightly slower then as well. <laughs> but yes, so I'm not very sporty, but I really love sport. I suppose, which is a sort of frustrating situation but i guess that's the same for 95 percent of people or 99 percent of people me certainly but i like well so i think this might be generalizing but i think a lot of men can turn any situation into a sport so if you put four boys at a train station which is where i spent most of my youth was waiting for trains it felt like they would all would always end up throwing stones at a sign you know and whoever hits the sign first wins it's, it, it's so easy to turn something into a sport and so the rest of my life has been developing that into tv formats and uh yeah, so I'm very lucky, I think, to be able to come, sort of say I come up with my own sports. But I don't know what, what classifies as a sport and what classifies as a um, a waste of time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you're right, though. When you're kids, and I guess it's it's before things like the internet, before iPads and iPhones and things that you can just have endless entertainment at the, in your palm of your hand, you used to stand and, yeah, throwing stones against the wall. How close can you get the stone to the wall? Uh, you know, literally yeah. anything you've got around you, anything just to distract you from the board and waiting for. for the and that's how lots of sports did start. So cricket. So I did this documentary years ago for BBC Four. It's called. It was called the uh, the games that time forgot, and we looked at old sports. And one of them was a sport called stool ball, uh, which they play here. I'm in a place called Midhurst at the moment, where my parents live down in West Sussex, and they still play stool ball. And it was when the milkmaids used to use their stool that they sat on, and people would throw a turnip at them and they had tried to hit it away. And that became cricket because the stools have three legs and they eventually use that as the wicket. And apparently that's how cricket... That's one not true, theory is it? To how cricket, is it? Well, it's one theory. There are lots of theories, but... Wow. Yeah, but that's definitely how stool ball was invented. And it's, it's basically <laughs> like rounders. I love it. But again, yeah, it's just people being bored. And I mean, football was just people kicking around a pig's bladder. And golf, because I mean, I play a lot of golf now. And that is absolutely... Just men with too much time in their hands. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I th- you must imagine they're just walk, going out for a walk and they've got a stick in their hand and they just sort of like hit something as they're going along, hit a pine cone or whatever, and then, oh, keep that going. Yeah. And before you know it, yeah, there you go. Well, because I, I do this show Taskmaster on Channel 4, which is stupid games. And every time I watch golf, I think that it's a perfect task. It's get this small ball into that hole over there, fewer shots wins. It's such a stupid idea, you know, getting over bunkers and past lakes and so on. 
I love I love Taskmaster because you can very quickly see the different personalities of the guests and you can see the ones that are obviously they're all there to try and entertain and have a laugh and have fun. But equally, there's the there's the competitive. It's very hard to hide your competitive instincts. I find certainly I I get embarrassed at myself in these situations where you do something that's clearly just about entertainment and mm. you take it way too seriously. And then you pretend that you're doing it deliberately to try and make it hilariously funny that you're being super competitive. But really, you are just very competitive. And, uh, yeah, and I, can, I, I used to that. think it was—I used to think it was mainly the thirty-year-old men who get competitive, but it's not. It's—it's it's everyone. Yeah, and I'm very lucky to be on the other side of it. So I'm a sort of referee figure, so I can encourage the competitiveness, but not get involved too much myself. But I would absolutely feel like that. I, so I played golf with my fourteen-year-old last week, and I was so infuriated that he—well, he didn't beat me in a flat game, but with a handicap, he beat me. And I was, yeah, I, gone are the days where you let your children win. <laughs> yeah, and that, I think it's going to be the other way around very, very quickly. Is there what? What is it? Is it pride or frustration when they first beat you? Yeah. Do you think what, what? What is it? What's, what's well? The round last week start. Yeah, the round started with pride, and he hit a few good drives. And I thought, oh, that's brilliant. I had no idea he was. He got quite good. And yeah, four holes in, it was frustration. <laughs> was so annoyed because it's gone. That my moment is gone. You know, when you, I can keep playing golf, but I'm not going to get much better now. I'm, You're not I've got an turn. awful swing. I can't be bothered to change my grip. You know. I'm, I'm not interested in that. So, yeah. But 14, so, uh, I think, is the turning point where the kid beats the the parent. I had the same thing. I'm on holiday at the moment. Um, and I thought I'd take my son for a run, having lost it, various other things to him, and went for a run. And I was like, you know, careful, pace it. It's quite hot. And so we drove down to this coastal thing. I'd run along there. And he was very ran along with me, kept on sort of condescendingly looking over his shoulder, checking as I was huffing and puffing. Yeah. And then on the turn back, he just disappeared into the distance, utterly disappeared into distance. Got back to the car. When I get there, he asked if I'd gone the wrong way. But no, I was just oh, a <laughs> slow old fart. But there we go. So my dad, whose house I'm in at the moment, he had a thing with all... So I've got two brothers, one older, one younger. And I've actually got three sons myself now. Um, but he had a thing where he set us the challenge. If we could beat him at tennis by the time we were 14... We got 25 pounds and same with squash. And uh, I never beat him at tennis. He's, I've, I still never beat him at tennis. Actually. He still plays a lot. And my older brother beat him at both. And my younger brother beat him at neither. But it was, I think that set up that healthy <laughs> rival. Yeah, no, that's good. I think that's good. Yeah. But it did no, create I... a lot of situations where there were children having huffs and tantrums. But, you know, them, yeah, tantrums are healthy, I think, in some ways. When I see people in sport, throwing their toys out of the pram. I know it's bad behaviour, but you sort of think, at least they care. There's yeah. something in it. And it is always hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Good entertainment. Mm. But in, ta in Taskmaster, so you, am I right in saying that you wrote it and you came up with the concept that it's your, it's your baby? Yes. Yeah. So I um, had my first child 15 years ago, well, 14 and a half years ago, which meant I couldn't go to the Edinburgh Festival for the first time in years and years and years. So I sat at home working out what to do because I didn't have much money and I had an extra mouth to feed. So I came up with a just a concept of setting these comedians. I, I, well, 20 comedians I contacted and said, uh, I'm going to set you a challenge once a month. And the next Edinburgh, I'm going to talk all about that. So the first challenge was put the most amount of money in my bank account. Most money wins. And that paid for the whole thing. So Mark Watson, <laughs> the comedian, put 200 quid in. No one else put more than five quid. Um, so he got the points for that. The second one was find a hedgehog, fastest wins. And then it was drink a pint of rainwater, I think. Anyway, so there's these oh. stupid tasks. But it became instantly obvious that com comedians are so competitive and they were desperate to win. When, when we got them all together in the in the theatre up in Edinburgh, they were, it was just a really fun atmosphere of, like you say, genuine rivalry, 
but they also had to be funny because they're comedians. So yeah, so it worked. And now, now my job is literally coming up with tasks every day. So I have to come up with 35 new tasks every series. We do two series a year. So that's 70, 70 games a year, effectively. Wow. And they are things like, they are based on sports. So one of the most infamous ones that we've had in our little world uh, was series two. They had to, it was get this potato into that hole. But the hole was in the middle of a, a golf green, effectively. And you weren't allowed to step on the green. Uh, so it's sort of a sport. So some people um, tied a rope to the potato, threw it in, and then if they missed, they could pull it back and do it again and again. I think uh, Catherine Ryan rolled up the. It was a sort of green carpet, and she rolled it up so she could get closer. And Joe Wilkinson threw it in first time, and it was amazing, a, a beautiful moment. But he just overstepped the mark. We on VAR, we disqualified him. And, oh no! Yeah, so so it is sort of sport of sorts, but we can never do the same thing twice. We've given ourselves this stupid rule that we can never repeat games. So it's you must have you must have had a brilliant home during lockdown because you have all these ideas and all these these games you can come up with. So you must have entertained the family really well during that. You think so? Always. Yeah, I have a really good reputation of being a really great dad, but in reality, I'm the same as all the other dads. Get home from work and think, please, just give me a. No, lockdown was good actually um, for the kids. And I, re- I really enjoyed homeschooling. We didn't do an, an awful lot of it, but I, I enjoyed being together. And, and we did come up with quite a few games. Um, but I also did something called home tasking, where I, I set I, a few people asked, a few families got in touch and schools got in touch and said, Is there any way you could set some tasks to up? We're stuck at home. So we, we Greg and I would set a task every week, things like turn your bathroom into a nightclub, best nightclub wins. So we ended up as a family judging these videos that came in, which, Brilliant. Was, which was really fun. But this last holiday was just um, my wife and I said, right, we've got to get them off screens. Let's play games all the time. So I, there's a book of games. I can't remember what the book's called. It's, but, I, but I can tell you some of the games. The best game we played, if you've got a family of three or five, it's best with an um, odd number. Or if you're with a group of people, it's called Eyes Master. And we can play it right now. All you've got to do is look down. All three of us have to look down. And when I say eyes up, we all look up at one other person. And if you are looking at someone else and they're looking at you, then you're both out. So we're all looking down. Eyes up. Oh, I don't know if it works over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Who were you looking at, Matt? I was looking at Chris. I was looking at the lens because I'm a professional, you see. I was looking down the lens. I wasn't really. I looked at you, I Alex. I was really excited. Yeah. Alex, who did you oh. look at? I was looking at you, Matt. So, uh, we're, if we're, at, so we're out people, then. No, if you're all looking at different people, you all stay in. Okay. If you're, Let's do it again then, shall we? Okay. But how do we know who we're looking at? You just have to be honest. honest. We'll be honest. We'll be honest. <laughs> I forget that. Okay, here we go. Sorry, can right, you look at yourself or not? You can no, anybody. I, mean, no. this, I should say it's over very quickly with three people. Five or seven is ideal. Or nine or 11. Okay, eyes down. Right. Eyes up. <laughs> I looked at you, Matt. I looked at you, Matt. Uh, oh, I looked at you, Chris, again. Uh, which means that you two are out and I win the game. Uh, and I'm very it's like a so, but, I like it. But it's a really good, if you're around a kitchen table and there's a group of you, it's really fun because you have that eye, intimacy of eye contact and then frustration and someone's looked at you. And we've played that for a month, I'd say, every dinner time. <laughs> and there's a game called Mr. Freeze, which um, you hand out playing cards. There's five of us. So four people would get um, a number 10 and one person would get a jack. But no one knows who's got the jack. And whoever's got the jack is Mr. Freeze. And at some point during the evening, ideally an hour later, they would freeze in the middle of whatever was happening. And the last person to, if you notice them freeze, you have to freeze as well. And the last person to freeze loses. But the idea is you forget about the game. But it meant there was a constant game going on in, on the holiday. It was so much fun. 
constant tension in the house. Yeah, constant tension. A constant <laughs> argument. Never relax. Yeah. Yeah, because people would fake freeze. Oh, there was so many arguments. But I think <laughs> I think that's a good thing. But your taskmaster thing, that the origins of that goes back to you messing around at train station as a kid or being competitive with your brothers, do you think, and making that fun or Yeah, I'd say so. Um my brother, my older brother was very good at inventing like the equivalent of pub um cricket. You know, if you're in a car and if you spot a pub sign with um if it's if it's called the grey horse that gives you four points. If there's a picture of a horse, because it's got four legs. And so if you see a coach and horses, that's going to be a big payday. And I can't remember what the rule was for a wicket. I think if there was no legs, it's a wicket or something like that. So there was always games going on. So yeah, I guess so. I guess it tracks back to that. But then I, I know only children are brilliant at coming up with stuff because they have to use their imagination uh, mm. more than people with siblings so yeah i yeah i don't know what you can track it back to but um i think it's, it's not healthy necessarily to try to tug on that thread <laughs> right. we, have uh, called the, we have something called the madge olympics my 11 year old creates every time we go on holiday so imagine the olympics and quite ludicrous events that he comes up with with the surroundings we have around us which which everyone gets ludicrously competitive about but uh yeah I don't think it works as a name, just, you know, Madge Olympics. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, unfortunately, the previous year we had the Commonwealth Games and it was the Imagine Wealth Games, so it was even worse. So this is an improvement, I think. But... Yeah, the holidays are so good for that. You forget during normal life, don't you, to, to have fun, I think. I remember we were up on some island in Scotland on Iona. I don't know if you either be to Iona, a beautiful place, but my I had a great uncle who lived there. And I think there was 11 of us there and he made us play this game for hours where he just drew a line in the sand and it was who could do the longest standing jump so no run up and that was it we just but that lasted an hour just playing that over and over and over again and yeah i think yeah screen devices are dangerous obviously for stopping yeah. us having fun but more and more i'm seeing my kids play games with other kids so they are interacting they are, you know i think we, we can be too snobbish sometimes about how bad screens are i saw um, you can, yeah. i guess you can always use the screens for inspiration too because i was i was looking on instagram the other day and there was a game these two people were playing. I think it was in Japan. It was like a game show where they had a one balloon and it was a room full of objects. It was like a car. There was sofas. There was all this stuff. It was a huge big room and they had deliberately placed these things to be, you know, in the way and you had to keep the balloon off the ground. And yeah. basically the last, the last person, if, if you miss it, you're out. And the last person ends up winning the car. And it went on. I think right. it went on for about nine and a half, 10 hours or something. Right. And they, they were exhausted. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, kind of, you know, staggering about and it was but the intensity of the competition because they got obviously got to the final two and it was like right this is you know i've yeah. got this far i'm not going to give up and it was it that's was very insane. mr beast as well i don't know if you know mr beast from yeah, YouTube, but yeah. Off, it's, it's just touched a car you know last to take your hand mm. off it wins yeah yeah there's good things out there and uh and actually that's quite task mastery as well but we, we are contained by the tv format but um yeah, there's good stuff out there. There's, there's even games like my kids play a game called Fall Guys. Which yeah. is, it's just a computer game where there's a hundred uh there's a hundred hundred of you, I think. Anyway, you have to complete a game and then you 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 uh if you don't, you're out. But I can watch that for hours. Anyway, yeah. Listen, go back to just sort of rewinding a little bit. Mm -hmm. Did you start in music? Did you start in comedy? How did you what was your kind of path of your career to this point? I, so I did start in journalism. That was the idea. The plan was to be a journalist. So I went to university. My wife and I met at university and applied to go to uh, journalism college after that. She, she got in to City University. I didn't get in, but I got into my second choice, Goldsmiths, where I did a year's course in TV journalism. 
and that was always the idea was to do I, I worked for a local newspaper down here the west sussex gazette and i just found i couldn't really take anything very seriously i was doing stand-up comedy as a hobby at the same time and i just found more and more i enjoyed taking the mech out of stuff and doing things in a funny way rather than straight stories about golden winning anniversaries which is literally what i was doing so yeah the comedy gradually took over the journalism and it, i began to get a few paid gigs some for matt's brother rupert and his club in london the knock two bag yeah it's called in sort of shepherd's Another bush back then yeah <laughs> yeah and some toilets called the ginglet in shepherd's <laughs> yeah. bush. so anyway so i got just gradually got a few enough work for it to pay some money um and the music came much later well my my uh two best friends from primary school ben and joe here in Midhurst, where i am right now uh, they became jazz musicians and when we were 30 we all got together and realized we didn't have nearly enough money um so we thought let's let's do something together let's try to combine music and comedy so uh so it was actually the same year i did taskmaster for the first time we did this show called the horn section which was eight nights up in edinburgh uh it was me and the band and we just invited comics to come along and perform but with a musical backing and that was it so jimmy carr came and told us jokes but with a groove underneath and it just clicked and was you know i i think live music is so crucial and it's such a good night out people forget what a good night out it is and i love stand-up comedy but it is just often one person and one microphone or, or it definitely used to be 10 years ago so i think we we added something slightly different at the fringe and uh and yeah we've been doing that ever since so but i'm not musical at all i just have i can, can kid other people that i am but the joke is that i'm in charge of these musicians and I don't know what I'm doing. Really? <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't do anything. And I used to right? hate singing. I... I used to absolutely hate being in charge because I can't really sing. And the band tell me often, but I can. You know, anyone can sing a bit. Like anyone can ride a bike, but not everyone can do it well. But do you not? Do you play an instrument within the horn section? No, no. Everyone thinks I do. Everyone thinks I, I write all the music as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, that's that, was my, that was my assumption too. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry to let you down, but no, I am. Um, <laughs> I do write some lyrics. And I've got grade three French horn. That's not <laughs> but I, I could have sworn that that day when I was a guest on your podcast that you were playing along with with the rest of the of the band. That, that, that no, is, I really do give that impression, that. but um, no, I don't. And so we've written this song about you, of course. Chris Hoy loves the Savoy, <laughs> and Matt said it'd be lovely if you could sing that. But I can't sing that. I can't sing it. I can't play it. <laughs> it's the band. I can tell them to play it. I could play a bit now, actually. I've got it here. Oh, please do. Sure. Oh, yes. If this works, hopefully. Let's see. Can you hear that? Yeah. There it is. Yeah, I'm not on this record. Oh, Chris Horry ain't a jump on Saturday on the morning go for rest. Well, it didn't work at all because he won the golden rule. People can't see, but you're holding up signs at, at different points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does indeed. There's a Savaloy and then Chris Horry reappearing. I have apologised already, haven't I? <laughs> the thing people can't see is Susie Dent looking slightly mystified next year as well. That's her job. <laughs> so I... you play the whole thing, Matt? No, I'll pause, I'll pause it now. Sorry, I, I've so, fallen down a rabbit hole. I've forgotten where we were. Um... <laughs> so I was, I was watching, I didn't know anything about this until, I mean, I obviously you heard of the horn section before. And in fact, my, my cousin, Jenny, she... Her, she's involved in music. She's um, a very musical person. She teaches it, and she knows one of the bands. Bad oh, right. to find out who. Anyway, um, so I was I was well aware of the horn section, and 
obviously seen you on TV on 8 out of 10 does countdown all that stuff and then I was, I was sitting there watching the telly and out of the blue this came on oh no sorry wow. I got a call saying put on channel 4 now and I was like what I stuck it on and I just about spat my drink out um, <laughs> yeah it was, I'm so sorry I feel like we should have asked permission but it was hopefully absolutely it was not in some ways absolutely not it's, it's an honour I was I was delighted and so excited and I, I couldn't believe it and everyone was getting these text messages coming through and Apart from anything else, it's a brilliant song. It's a really genuinely it's brilliant song. It's very catchy. And anybody that's just listened to that last, you know, 20 second little um, segment there, that'll be in their ear for the rest of the day. I listened to it last night before I went to bed. And <laughs> oh, then it's no. still, it was still there in the morning, still going. Yeah, and it'll be there all day now because I just heard it. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, just absolutely hilarious. And then, well, what was next? Yeah, I guess we got in touch via Twitter and we had a little laugh about it. And, and then your podcast, what was it, 2018? It must have been 2017, 2018? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it was done in a, in a recording studio in London, wasn't it? Yeah, and we asked yeah. you, and we thought the chances of Sir Chris Hoy saying yes to doing this was so slim. But you'd also worked with Tim Key, who's my old collaborator and Yeah, well, former I, met friend. Tim, I met Tim at the Alpha Papa premiere, the Alpha the right. Partridge premiere. And I'm a massive Partridge fan, and it was like my, that was that was like, you know, Christmas for me, going in there and getting to meet all the cast and watch the film. And yeah, it was, it was incredible. Um, and Tim was a lovely guy. And yeah, we got in touch after that. But he, yeah, so he was there. And as as I was saying earlier on, a podcast for me is sitting in the back bedroom here with, you know, some dubious lighting and, you know, some terrible internet connection. But Matt, this, honestly, Matt, this, you walk in and it wasn't, when you say a studio, it wasn't just like a little room with some egg boxes in the wall. This was a full-on musical recording yeah. studio. It was like Abbey Road, wasn't it? it yeah. I mean, we we didn't always do it in that place. That was the nicest place we did it. But it was such such a bad idea. So <laughs> many people, so much equipment, so little money. But really, really fun. And, and that was quite an ambitious podcast, that one, because I think I gave you some lines where we were going to play you a song and you had to pretend to hate it and storm off. And you did it so well, so the band didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> and we're very up. Very confused, but yeah, you did it very well. Oh, well but I do, do think podcasts, podcasts, they are, they are such a fertile, but you know, because they, they work really well like this with people on a sofa and next to a cupboard. But they also can be grand scale, and you know, the American do- documentaries ones, which take years to make. I really love them as well. But I think there's no right way. No, you're right. But I think you were so far ahead of the game, and it was it was so well done. And I was I was listening to that episode last night because I hadn't I, I cringed so much after. Like after doing it, I had a brilliant time doing it, and then afterwards I was like, "Oh God, did I make an idiot myself?" Oh, and and, and you know when you you re you sort of go mm. over in your head things you said, and you think, "Oh no," because well, yeah, as you said there, I didn't realise that the rest of the band and Tim didn't know what was going on. So I went right. in, and at, at the very start, Alex said to me, "He said, um, you know, I've got this little plan, rough script for the day, and um, when it comes to this bit, if you could just say." When I ask you what you think of the song, <laughs> say you thought it was terrible, um, have a little bit of hissy fit, and then, but then sing this line, and then it become apparent that you are in and the joke, and everything's fine. And I was like, yeah, right, thinking, sing a line. Does he, does he know that I can't sing at all? Anyway, it came to it, and we had a, we were having a hilarious time, and everything, like the, the music and the jingles and everything was just seamless, and they were all, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. You think they'd rehearsed this for six months? It was awesome. And then it came to, the song was the sequel to Chris Hoy Loves a Savaloy. 
Yes. And it was, and the, the premise of the song was that I had turned my back on sausages. I'd given up eating meat. <laughs> I'd become a vegan. And that I'd started my own range of soy sauce, Chris soy, it's hoy soy. Um, and it's, it's an equally catchy tune to, uh, to the, the Savaloy one. And it was brilliant. I sat there as they're playing it live to me for the first time and Tim Key's sitting next to me on the stool. And then Alex said, so what, what do you think of that then? And then I, I, sort of, <laughs> I said, I think it's terrible. I think it's, you've been disrespectful, I think. Well, and I, and I sort of went in a bit of a rant and you've been disrespectful to him. What's, I, I don't even know what your name is. What is your name? And he's like, <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, you've been and and, I was, and then and, and I looked around the room and everybody's heads went down. And oh, it was awesome. silent. It was Tim, Tim was looking at the floor, and I, and I suddenly realised they don't know that this is all. They're not in on this joke, and I and I was like, oh my god, get to the bit where I sing the line, and then they realise it's actually all okay, and I haven't mm. completely thrown the toys at the pram. And I hope when it. you listen back, you thought you did a good job because you really did do a good job. Because I find with because I hate listening to myself back, but if there's a bit of time, sometimes you can actually enjoy it and go, "Oh, it's, it was all right." But you did it. You did it beautifully. Really listened, good acting. Well, well, thank you. I listened up to the up to the end of the song, and you said, "What do you think of that?" And then I just pressed pause because I couldn't. Oh, really? I, I, I genuinely couldn't <laughs> go beyond that. I was like, I would have cringed myself inside out. It was just no. But um, but I had a brilliant time, and it was yeah, it was. It was genuinely impressive. The, the music, the, you know, as a group, you guys are incredible. Well, I'm I'm impressed every single time. You know, I, I, the reason I love doing it is just being on stage with these genuinely talented musicians. And annoyingly, they're my friends, so I can never tell them to their face that they're any good. But yeah, I, I mean, I love this, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting what you're saying about how you love being in the company of comedians. You know, like going to the Alpha Papa premiere, and I think us comedians, it's 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 the other way around. So I. I've got to meet Greg Rutherford, for example, doing this, and or, or gone to the darts or something. So, yeah, comedians love having a little brush with sport, and sportsmen seem to love having a brush with comedy sometimes. So, it's yeah, it's a nice, happy silver lining or side effect of it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So who, if you could choose anybody to come on Taskmaster or the, the, your podcast, mm. any sportsman, or women around the world, well, who would it be? It, well, it would be Jurgen Klopp, I think, probably. I think he seems to, I'm a Liverpool fan, and he just seems like he's got a sense of humour. I know he, 
he goes to lots of Robbie Williams gigs. And our, our saxophonist, Mark, is also Robbie's saxophonist. And he's brushed with him a few times. He's come backstage and he drinks and smokes, Not neither of which I'm endorsing. But he's definitely a, a sportsman with a sense of fun. And uh, I, he's definitely one of my heroes. And I, I, I think I dread what you don't want, obviously, is to meet your heroes and they turn out to be a bit boring. And I suppose the danger of some sports is that you spend a lot of time by yourself and you're so driven. Well, I worry that I'll meet some people and they won't be as much fun as I'm hoping. However, I have met, so Sir Mo Farah did, uh, did Taskmaster and he was brilliant. He was so fun and sweet and competitive, you know, desperate to win. <laughs> and I, I guess you can't get much higher than Mo. Mm. So, yeah, so I've not had any disappointing hero moments yet. Who do you recommend, Chris? Who's, who's well, I was a bit like that with Matt. When I first met Matt, I was a bit intimidating. And, <laughs> of course. I didn't know what to mean, but it turned out he's not, not so bad. He's not as serious as he looks. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's all right. He's a serious-looking chap, isn't he? Do you know what? It's weird. My, it's like you're saying there. I've, I've met, I've, don't get me wrong, I've got some amazing sporting heroes and people who I've been absolutely blown away by. And usually it's people who were my heroes <clears> when I was younger, when I was a kid or when I was growing up, my childhood sporting heroes. But actually, it's more it's more comedians, people who random folk. I've been meeting Geordie Mike from Alan Partridge, you know, bumping right. into him. I was, I think, it was at a radio station one day, and and I was turned around, and Geordie Mike was there, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, it's just, you know, oh my god, it's Geordie Mike, Blake, yeah. oh Chris, you know, don't don't quote Partridge to him. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it was. It's just. I think it, for, from my perspective, when I was traveling and training and racing and competing around the world, you, you spend so much time, like we were saying earlier on, trying to find ways to fill the time that you're not doing your job. And mm. equally, you're trying to rest. So you can't you can't just go, right, we're in a foreign city, let's go out and about, let's do stuff. It's like, right, you've got to rest, you rest your body. So what are you going to do? Well, you bring along, in those days, DVDs, and they're inevitably comedy DVDs or comedy films or programs and you used to watch the same stuff over and over again until it was mm. you knew it off by heart and you were quite obsessive about it and then it in, infiltrates your your language and your you know you have you just it becomes part of your your conversation yeah. with each other but while you're doing that comedians are watching sports so up in edinburgh in 2012 which is when we did the chris hoy song where the olympics was going on you know the greatest ever olympics for great britain so we wrote a whole medley of songs about the Olympics and, and showed pictures of the medal winners at, at the end of our show. And uh, a few years before that, we had the, the Greatest Ashes series, which was going on during the Edinburgh Festival. So all comedians are watching sport. And then, yeah, occasionally get lucky enough to work with someone like you. Or we, we The Horn Section did a show with Freddie Flintoff. And we've done a show with Peter Crouch. And uh, yeah, it's so lovely when, when the two worlds collide in a positive way. Because there are some very Peter Crouch is just a brilliant broadcaster, podcaster, and he's pretty. He's, I can't call him a comedian, but he's a very funny guy. <laughs> he is. I've never met him. Have you met him? You must have interviewed him, Mark, over the years. No, I haven't. A friend of mine, Tom Fordyce, who worked at the BBC for years and yeah. has now set up his own company. He he started the podcast with Peter Crouch, uh, so I know him very well, but never never met Crouch. But he, you're right. He's a, just a naturally talented broadcaster and, and naturally funny, so it just works. So you think yeah. of him almost as a comedian in that sense because his storytelling so good. It really is. He's got so many stories. But unfortunately, I thought of him as my friend, and I invited him to my birthday party because I've, I've got his number. But uh, apparently, we're not quite friends yet. But I'm going to keep. <laughs> Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yeah. You know, we'd come to your birthday party, Alex. Definitely. Well, 
well, I will, I will tell we're you not, exactly where it is straight after not, this. We're not dangerous. We're not, we're not stalkers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, Tim Key and I have the same birthday party every year in the same place uh, on a, in a midweek night. I'm sure uh, Rupert goes most year, Matt. Right. So okay. I will, I'll tell you the location, the secret location after this. We're it's, there. It's a very dull affair. I meant to ask about because you you were talking about the Liverpool. Is that from day one the supporting of that? What was your what was your era of yeah? Of, of... I, I regret supporting Liverpool. So I was born in nineteen seventy eight. So by the time I was into football, eighty four, eighty five, they were just the greatest team, and they did the double eighty five, eighty six, yeah. and, and I was hooked. And I'm, my dad's a Tottenham fan. Older brother's a Man United fan. Little brother's an Everton fan. So we we don't support the local team. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm, I was I was a Glory fan basically as a kid, um, but you can't change teams. So, so my kids are all now Liverpool fans. However, what I w- I'd love to talk about Chesham United, which is yeah. our local team, mm. and I, and I've supported them since we've lived in Chesham, which is a little town in Buckinghamshire, and they're in the seventh tier. So they are three behind Wrexham, I suppose. It's a good way of thinking of it. And I've got involved with the club since living there, and I'm now a director. And I, I wake up thinking about Chesham before Liverpool now, and it's it's so healthy supporting a local club, and you know it's grassroots and it's it's semi professional. But they're all local, and I know the players a bit now. I know the managers, and it's so much fun. I really recommend everyone get down to the local club, especially now with the money in the Premier League. It's just we all know how uh, obscene, I suppose, it is. But I just find it harder and harder to relate to anything to do with Liverpool Football Club, apart from Klopp. So, um, yeah, Chelsea United has really reignited my love of football, I suppose. And so you're a director. For, for Chesham, is that right? Yes. So which doesn't mean anything financially. It just means I've got responsibilities. My job is to try to get more people through the door. So Taskmaster, we sponsor Chesham now, so our name's on their kit, which means oh, we're wow. selling kits for the first time. We've you know we've sold a few hundred this season. Normally we sell at about thirty. So um, any money is so useful for the club. Did you play much football when you were younger? Do you? I played a lot of football, but at no level. <laughs> I played. Yeah, played for my school. Played for. My college at university, but not the university, but but also mainly played in all my free time. So I just love it. And I still play on Monday nights with some other overweight dads. Um, as, a, as a director, you surely can just pull a few strings and say, right, I'm I'm playing up front this week. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't, I don't think that's far off, actually, because we struggle with injury. We've only got a squad of about 15, well, 19. So um, last season, we had no goalkeeper for the last two matches. We had a defender in goal. So yeah, I probably could get a game, but I equally I've borrowed the pitch twice, and I've played. I put a big charity football match on last year, so I did play, and uh, I had to within four minutes. <laughs> I played right back, and someone my the keeper was off his line, so I saved a goal by diving for it and handballing it. So I got a yellow card, and I split my finger and had to go to hospital. Oh no! So yeah, worth it. it. Worth it though, surely. It was definitely goal. worth it. There was, we were in, I think there was two and a half thousand people watching. It was, it was a dream come true. I was so excited. <laughs> and then I played a QPR the following week, actually, for another charity. This is what happens in comedy is where you get invited. If people find out you're into things, you get invited to play. And that was dreadful. I played with <laughs> Harvey from So Solid Crew and uh, various other YouTubers like Chunks. I don't know if you've heard of Chunks. Anyway, I was out of my depth and it didn't go very well. There are some very good comedian footballers, aren't there? There are some actual quite some Russell talents Howard out there. Is, yeah, right. Howard okay. is useful. Um, lots of people in their day were good. So Dara O'Brien, Milton Jones, Noel Fielding was a really good player. Uh, Maisie Adam played in our charity match. She's she's quality. They're, yeah, there are good people out there. And actually, yeah, we, we played. Um, I don't know if you know the Wrexham story well, but do you know um, Humphrey Carr, who's yeah. now their managing director. So he used to be a comedian. So he played in our um, 
charity match as well. Yeah, and another another useful player. So, what, what do you think about all these um, sort of big names coming from Hollywood, coming across and investing in small clubs in the UK in a sport that's maybe not their their first the first yeah. one you would expect them to get involved in? I think I went from being cynical to uh, being jealous quite quickly. So at first I thought this isn't, they're not doing it for the right reasons. And it's, you know, it's a money making, it's a TV thing and they'll, they'll leave after a season. Um, but actually Humphrey, who knows these guys well, says they are the most genuine people and it seems to have brought Wrexham to life as a town. And that's what we're trying to do in Cheshire is to bring the community t- together. So no, I think it's only good. It's only good as long as they've got the right reasons, but they, you know, they were properly grilled by the people of Wrexham and the club itself. So it's all good. And I think if, it's good to see where the money's coming from. It's good that these foreign investors that have got involved with Newcastle, for example, it's so shadowy and, I don't know, at least with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney? Uh, yes. About that. So. Yeah. Um, at least, you know, you know, they're there at the games and that you can see how much they care about it. So, yeah, I think it's brilliant. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I often daydream if I'm trying to get to sleep or on a long journey. And my current daydream is Chesham drawing Wrexham in the FA Cup and me meeting Ryan and then us beating Wrexham. That That'd be superb. You could then invite Ryan we... to your birthday party as well. Exactly. And then we get <laughs> Liverpool in the next round and we take them to penalties and they win. That's the plan. <laughs> and you shake Jurgen Klopp's hand and yeah. invite him and then to, birthday party. Come to your birthday party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about any any calamities? So, so we, we're obviously sporting misadventures. Are there any calamitous moments for you in a sporting sphere or, or have you avoided that for the most part? Well, bar your split finger in your charity match, I guess. Sporting calamities, yeah. Now I did vaguely think about this. I haven't got, I haven't got any sort of huge disasters. I've just got boring sporting calamities. Like so, we went to on this Canada holiday. We went, went to our first baseball match, and I didn't know anything much about baseball. And we watched the Vancouver Canadians uh, against someone. I'm not quite sure who, but I don't know if you've ever seen baseball before. Um, but three hours in, nine innings in, it was nil all. No one had got a single. Uh, what do you call them? Not a run? A run, 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 yeah. A run, yeah. Yeah, only two people had even got to first base. They just kept missing it. They were useless. And I didn't realise in baseball you can't have a draw. So after nine innings, it, that's normally the end. But it carried on for t- three more. It was still in all. And then we left because um, we had these uh, jet lag children. So we, we left. And it, it went on to 14, I think. And then someone eventually won. Oh. But this doesn't count as a sporting <laughs> calamity. <laughs> it was just a very boring <laughs> after <laughs> But that must Americans... be that must be the worst baseball game ever. Yeah, it was the people around us. They knew we were English, and they were saying, "This is it's normally much better than this." <laughs> but equally, I'm, you know, you watch cricket for five days, and it might end in a draw, or you watch a football match and it's nil all. So, you know, I don't mind a a, score, a, a no score draw, but this it was very tedious. But the, the Simpsons always take the Mickey out of football and about how you know you can play for ninety minutes and no one scored, and you know what a dull sport it is. And, Baseball, I didn't realise that you could have no, literally nobody would score a single run. That sounds no, it started, dire. it did start getting funny. And the audience, you know, what I love about sport is the, the crowd, you know, all getting together and all sharing this moment. And it was just funny. Everyone just found it hilarious the, the worse it became. So it was, it was good fun. But I tend to just get quite dull injuries. So, so I, there's this documentary, which I mentioned before, was called uh, The Games That Time Forgot. And the main sport we tried to recreate was something called cricket on horseback which was played in the 18th century twice, we think. It's a full game of cricket, but on horseback. So we managed to get some horses. We got 12 horses. We'd had a six-a-side game of cricket in uh, near Cheshire, where I live. 
But the week before, I played my first game of rugby for maybe 15 years because I just had a kid and I thought, I'm still young, I'll play rugby. <laughs> and the first time I got the ball, I was on the wing and I ran, pulled my hamstring. No one was anywhere near me. And I just, had to, I just literally lay down on the floor and put my hand up and said, no, I'm out, no. I'm out. So for the rest of this documentary, you'll see me limping around. I'm on a horse with a torn hamstring. I'm, I'm playing various other sports. And it's just so disappointing when your body lets you down. But um, yeah, my sporting career is just littered with minor injuries. But so just going back to the cricket on horseback, how, how mm, they should have a few work? questions there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, run us through how it works. That's, yeah. That's yeah, well, the documentary was kind of working out how it worked because obviously it was only written about in a newspaper. There's no footage of it. So um, the thing about being on a horse is you can't reach the ground. So we, we designed these very long bats. Um, we also had stumps that were only relevant from a certain height up. If you, so the, I think the stumps were five foot tall, but only the top two foot counted. Uh, we had ball picker uppers, like if you're on a dog walk, you know, you can pick up a tennis ball with those scoopy uh, yeah. devices. So we had long ones for them for the fielders. Um, the rest of it was like normal cricket. So the, you'd have two bats people. We had men and women playing. Everyone's on horseback except for the umpires who were at risk, I suppose. Um, the horse would trot in. The bowler would hurl the ball just out of their hand, out of the stump. Then you try to hit it. You try not to hit the horse with a bat. And um, it's if you YouTube it, it's it's not on the BBC iPlayer anymore, but it's on YouTube. So at the very end of it, you'll see at about fifty minutes, you'll see the game, and we got we had Humphrey Blofeld commentating on it. And uh, I managed to hit a six, which was, I think, the proudest sporting moment of my life. <laughs> and uh, and it was a really competitive match. I think our their team scored fourteen in a limited overs game. And you'll have to look it up to see who won. Wow. Did the horses have to wear pads and helmets and stuff? No, no. We didn't no. wear a hard... We didn't play a, a, with a hard cricket ball. Ah, okay. Fair enough. And we did go through the stables. We had lots of health and safety checks. We all had to be trained to ride horses. And we did swing carefully. But yeah, no one was hurt, thankfully. And it was just... A, yeah, it was a lovely day. So we, we created all sorts of sports. There's a sport called the Quintain, which used to be really popular, which is jousting, but not on horseback. So you sprint holding an enormous pole at a sort of dartboard and try to hit the dartboard as accurately as possible within a small period of time. Wow. Uh, like a, like so a pole vaulter, but without the actual... Exactly. Pole, yeah, pole it's pole vaulting without the, the, the vault. Without the good bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, without the good bit. Yeah, it wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. So, That's great. Uh, I'm definitely watching this. I'm going to go. Yeah. That's what I'm doing straight after this. I'm going to make a cup of coffee and uh, do yeah, just, watch your yeah, documentary. YouTube it. You'll find it. I think we did um, bowls, but with turnips. So bowls used to be with vegetables. That's how it started. Um, so there's a real curve on a turnip. <laughs> if you release it correctly. <laughs> Yeah, there's the, my, there's um, the tagline for the for the podcast. These are these you've just done sporting back to back sporting misadventures in about the space of about two minutes. These, I mean, cricket on horseback is is that in a nutshell? That's bonkers. Yeah, it was bonkers, but really fun. So we went to Lords actually, um, and used their nets facilities to work out what it's like playing in bat, but being six foot up in the air. So everyone's very helpful, and there's so much history in cricket. So everyone we spoke to was, uh, yeah, they they found it curious and. It's very British, I suppose, isn't it, to find an old thing that people did once and then try to do it again. And there's loads of events that are were in the original Olympics that aren't anymore. That think you know, even things like tug of war, I mm. think, is a, is a great sport. And you think that should yeah. be? I mean, surely that should be a, a current sport. 
because it's dead, yeah. dead cheap. You know, anyone can do it. It's you know, it's a team sport. You can do it individually. It's I think that would be a great one to bring back. Well, they have to meet certain requirements, don't they? There has to be there has to be a skill level. Would would there be much skill in the tug of war? Um, I guess there probably isn't there. Grip. You know, there's not much skill in riding a bike around in a circle in a track. Come on. <laughs> I've always said that, Chris. I've always said it's overrated. <laughs> No, no you're right. I, I mean skateboarding. Skateboarding's come back into the Olympics. My kids all skateboard, but annoyingly, they my eldest one is doing sport uh, GCSE, which obviously is quite easy to sniff at. But it's brilliant, and but you can't pick skateboarding. He's doing football, cricket, and golf as his three sports. But yeah, there are certain sports that aren't allowed. Irish dancing is allowed, and he's mm. furious that skateboarding's not in there. And we we actually wrote to the exam exam board saying, "Is there any chance?" Because it's in the Olympics, why can't yeah. you study it? But they said um, things move glacially in the GCSE world. The sport I would it. invent, though, Chris, yeah. the, the sport I want to see at the Olympics is the 4 by 400 uh, relay. Um, but it's not four people doing the 400 metres, it's 400 people doing the four metres. That's what I want to watch. <laughs> That'd be chaos. <laughs> Each person just running four metres. It'd be so much fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, all the way around. That baton would definitely get dropped, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> But I would get the most viewers, surely. People would love it. That's a great idea. There's can loads re- of new you events. Can, I mean, you can recreate that maybe in a show. I think, mm. I, yeah. When you say it out loud, you think, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. At some point, you'll see me doing that in a couple of years. <laughs> well, you know how in cycling, and, and tr- obviously the aerodynamics is important and the slipstream. We've always talked about or when you're sitting in between efforts in the track centre, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon board, and you're kind of inventing new events for the track. Mm. The one we've always talked about is getting a constant stream of riders that make it the whole way around the track. So you, everybody's got a slipstream, a kind of daisy chain effect. Yeah. There's always somebody in front of you. And therefore, because you get a 30%, um, you know, reduced energy sitting behind someone closely. So wondering what kind of speed you could get up to and how long you could sustain that in this constant stream of riders. You'd have to, the, the trouble is that there's always a slight concertinaing effect and there's no brakes on these track bikes. So you're right to stop people suddenly stopping in front of you. But, um, yeah, even like on the, they have motorbikes that you use for doing pace efforts. You sit behind the motorbike and you do over speed efforts. And the back of the motorbike has a little roller bar that sits on it behind the back wheel. So if you touch the back wheel, you don't crash and fall off. Right. So you could get all these bikes with a little roller behind it and everybody could be right up touching the roller. So it's a constant chain of riders. Yeah. And wondering, you know, if you had enough skilled riders, you know, all the, the kind of very top level guys, you could do it. And A, how cool a spectacle it would be, but B, how fast could you go? I wonder what the... How fast, and yeah, but how do you stop? I mean, you're going to get in this yeah. infinite... Yeah, thing you, you could never be able to get in around. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted, I've always wanted on the swings at the park to be one of those people who goes over the top and then just keeps going. That's, I guess it's similar to that. My, my son's getting into that just now. He's asking all these kind of questions, you know, about going over the top. I said, well, and you try and explain it to him. And then you kind of think, well, actually, on this swing, <laughs> it wouldn't work because it's fixed. But I wonder, you know, you'd have to get... Anyway, yeah, it's one of these things you think that yeah, it must be possible, surely. You'd have to get yeah. more, you know, some sort of additional external force to create that momentum to get you over the top because you can't. There's only, yeah. only one way to find out, Chris. I think me and you are going to have to do the cycle thing, the relay thing, and the swing thing. You guys Let's just worked it. out a TV series. Task Task next, Task next <laughs> I mean, genuinely, I think Channel 4 would buy this. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would, yeah, I'd be up for the swing one. I've always, I've always loved that idea. Um, mm. And I guess you just need to have more momentum. So the energy that you're releasing is going to be lost in friction. So you're never going to match it. So you've got to have some way of producing more 
force or energy on the downward swing to, to overcome that. I think if point... you just give me a big push, Chris, it'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you get a big enough person or a small enough person on the seat, you could do it with like mm. a, I'm against animal testing and all this, but you could maybe get like over a cat, <laughs> strap him on yeah. the chair on a miniature well, how swing. Old is your, how old is your son? Uh, my son's eight and my daughter's five. So oh, well, you know, that's one of them will do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, we could do that. Sign a waiver. Same here. Yeah, because <laughs> I think that's the sort of thing in our well, in my age, there are certain things I can't do anymore. I've always wanted to be able to do a backflip. That would be, you know, just be one of those guys who can stand there and suddenly do a backflip. And I've YouTubed it quite a few times, thinking, yeah, this year I'm going to learn how to do a backflip. But I think I don't have the physical capability of doing a backflip. But I could do a 360 swing. Yeah, do you know what? I, we must have similar brains to a certain extent because I have been sitting watching YouTube videos of. And the guy breaks it down into really simple steps. Yeah. Goes, oh, I've watched that do, many times. You know, you've got this side, you put your hand down, you kind of flip across, and, mm. and you think, yeah, I could probably do that. And you watch the steps, and each one of them seems really simple. And you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go out to the garden, and you have a, <laughs> when no one's looking, you have a little go, and yeah, nah, it's definitely not going to happen. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. No way. Us. I mean, I'm so stiff. My, my back, for years and years, I spent kind of bent, flexed over, you know, the handlebars and this really kind of un. Mm. A really poor posture um, for your spine. I'm, I basically struggle to sit up straight. So trying to do anything that kind of extends backwards is, is a no-go for me. So Yeah, but what yeah. a party trick it would be. If you could do it, you'd do it, you know, waiting for the bus. You'd do it any any moment. I would do it all so the time. an award. Yeah, I used to be able to do it as a kid. I could backflip into the pool, but there is absolutely no chance I would have been able to do that for about 20 years, I don't think. Yeah. It would just go horrifically wrong, I think. It's yeah. The risk is injury, like you were saying about when you pull your hamstring. <laughs> Um, playing football, Alex. It's just your brain remembers what you could do 10, 20, 30 years ago yeah. and you, you assume the body can just do it when when you call upon it, it can do it and it's, yeah, you can end up having an no, injury the last If I'm at a wedding months. now, I, if I'm at a wedding I, I start warming up at the end of dessert because of the dancing they're from. Stretch <laughs> <laughs> in the corner. Oh, I did play, the, a sport I did play in, in Canada which I'm trying to bring back is wiffle golf. Have you heard of wiffle golf? So we went to some golf. woods. Yeah, wiffle. Uh, it's with a wiffle ball. A wiffle ball in Canada, anyway, is a golf ball, but made of plastic and full of holes, so it makes it a wiffle sound. And you can't hit it very far and it doesn't hurt people. But um, just in the woods in Canada, where there are bears everywhere, uh, they just set up these baskets all around the place and they have free golf clubs lying around. And uh, it's a sort of homemade golf, I suppose. It's a bit like Lynx golf in Scotland, but in a much smaller surroundings. And I just think it's the sort of thing. I think we might set one up in the woods in Cheshire because you can just leave things lying around and it's you paint the number on a tree. And it, I don't know, it's just quite inspiring. The kids really loved it. It was so homemade and there's no money and there's no etiquette. You don't have to wear a shirt with a collar. And yeah, that, that got them thinking. So yeah, that was my sport. Is that Canadian only? I've never heard of it. I don't know. We've never heard of it before. Oh. I mean, you can buy a set on Amazon for about 250 quid, but you're much better making your own. So do you... Do you try and chip the wiffle ball into a basket that's raised off the ground, like a kind of basketball yeah, style. Exactly. Not, it's it not in. raised far off the ground. It's just basically a bucket on the floor. Ah, cool. it's, it's very rudimentary sport. It's almost like going back a few generations of golf. But we played a bit of frisbee golf as well over there, but that's not that's not my sport. Wiffle, wiffle golf is my sport. Wiffle golf. I've mm-hmm. done the frisbee golf. I find that impossible. It it's is, just, isn't it? I, don't remember I, I, they're, they're I miss it by about five metres as well. I just never get anything. Yeah. So we played that a, a, quite a bit there, and they have a, a driver frisbee, which is hard and slightly thicker then you have a fairway frisbee and then a putting frisbee but unless you're good at frisbee it's a tedious <laughs> <Forget> it. <laughs> afternoon yeah Forget it. 
I love how sport gets really technical because I just would assume that if you're playing frisbee golf, you'd use the same frisbee to yeah. start and finish. But, you know, obviously people get into it and go, no, nah, we need to really hone this and they think about it. And they come up yeah, with they new take ideas. The fun out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got foot golf near us. Have you done that one? It's basically just a golf course, but you're kicking a football off the tee and then into a bigger hole at the end of it. Yeah, I've done that a few yeah. times. Fun yeah. for three holes. And yeah. And uh, loses its. And then time. you're like, this is the worst idea. So now I just take my son and his friends and I just sit in the cafe. That's much easier. But the, yeah, never again. And then the trouble is, you, you know, the whole point of football is hitting it quite hard, but you need to put backspin on it for foot. You know, you need to. Anyway, yeah. Good idea. I was terrible at it. What about cycling, Alex? You ever done any bit of cycling more than just as a kid? I hope you weren't going to ask me about cycling. <laughs> I think I've got the wrong physique for cycling, um, or I'm doing it wrong. What? Well, what I can't do is the lycra. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't be one of those. You don't find need such to be, a, It's such a weird sport that people have so much equipment, and the mm-hmm. bikes that people use around us are thousands of pounds. But I do cycle with kids at school. And uh, in Canada, we had mountain bikes and did, we spent a lot of time. I like just getting from, I like cycling about 300 meters on a bike. Getting from me to and I like the off-road stuff, but I can't do these uphill uh, road racing types of things. Yeah, no, I, I get I think, I think People, I yeah. think, watch, they've seen the Tour de France, they've seen, you know, the Olympics and stuff, and they assume that that, or in Britain, I mean, this massive explosion and in interest in the sport in the last 10 years, and they assume that to be involved in cycling, you have to spend... 10 grand on a carbon bike and you have to wear full lycra and you have to have a mm. little pointy aerodynamic helmet you know cycling is it's anything you want it to be just get on a bike and ride it you can do it anywhere as you say going off-road i think off-road is great fun a bit more yeah. variety there's no cars and traffic around and you get to see some nice yeah. places no i love sending the kids off on the bikes but my my pet hates with cycling are putting the bikes on the car rack can't do that when the chain comes off can't do that <laughs> uh and also i went on an electric bike for the first time this summer and it's so amazing they are and you great, pedal aren't they? twice and you just go 20 kilometers an hour instantly <laughs> oh my word that's that's slightly ruined it for me but um <laughs> yeah. e-bikes are brilliant and it, it's do you know people who have e-bikes are three times more likely to use their bike than if, if it's a regular bike so it's getting people like wow. people go oh it's cheating it's you know it's not real cycling. It is real cycling. It doesn't, you know, well, cycling could be anything you want, but if it yeah. encourages people to get out and to get active and still, you still have to turn your legs. It's not a, just a, a scooter that's got a throttle. You still have to, no. it's pedal assist, so you still have to pedal. Um, but you go further, you have more fun and you, you tend to use the bike more frequently. Yeah, yeah. And the uphill bit, it really yeah. takes all the pain out of it. Doesn't it? So, it does, um, it does. Yeah, I think that might be my future. As I hit 45, I think e-bike might be the way. I think bringing bikes into the Olympics. Yeah. Well, do you know what? They had the World Championships recently in Glasgow. They had the first ever combined cycling world. So they had mountain biking, track, roads, BMX, everything. They had artistic cycling, cycle ball. And they also wow. had, in the mountain biking, an e-bike mountain bike world championship. Really? So I still, I'm not entirely sure the rules, but basically the bikes have to be all exactly the same size of motor, same output. So you choose when to use it and i think there's i don't know if it's enough to do the full distance or whether you can choose when to right turn it on turn it off but yeah you're ready to racing. charge it up before that <laughs> yeah i knew there was something i forgot yeah. the battery yeah i've got to ask you about artistic cycling because on, on taskmaster yeah. we, one of our first tasks was to paint a picture of a horse whilst riding a horse oh i remember that one yeah mm. is artistic cycling 
painting whilst cycling? <laughs> it's it's not, but it should be. That sounds much more exciting. Yeah. It's it's basically like um, synchronized swimming on wheels or right. gymnastics on wheels. They ride around on bikes that look like track bikes, so fixed wheel, in, no in teams. Sorry, single or teams or solo pairs or fours, I think, yeah. and they, it's all choreographed and they ride around in circles, like kind of back on their back wheel, not holding the handlebars. You've, you've really got to Google it to see what it okay. what I'm talking about. It's very skillful in the balance and the precision, but it's very niche and it's very German. Like it's a German or right. Central European sport. In fact, the guy who was the commentator, I went to go and see it. I, I thought it was Henning Henning Vane. Right. I, it, I was like, it's just the same. <laughs> I was like, that's him. It's you have a slight this German with a slight English twang to it. Maybe, maybe it was. Yeah. Maybe it was him. I thought it was Henning. I was like, is that? Is he here? Because we'd met him just the week before. I was like, is this a bit? Of it's a, a distinctive voice, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it certainly is. But yeah, it's a it's a, a great sport. You got to watch. You got to see it to believe it. And cycle ball teams of two. You can't touch the ball with. You can only touch the ball with your bike or with your head, and you flick the ball with your, your kind of front wheel or back wheel. And there's wow. there's two goals. It's on on a kind of basketball court. And again, Germany are world champions, and they're, it's their kind of sport. You know what? That's reminded me of a genuine uh, sporting misadventure that I did have that I was going to mention. So that's good. Was uh, it the I, World Championships when you were competing for Germany in the cycle ball? It was exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, one <laughs> called me in the. No, I here in Midtjylland, where um, there's uh, the main sport that we play here is polo, um, and half the town is wealthy and plays it, and the other half works at it and sells programs. Etc. And I all works in the car park. And as a kid, I used to be a polo line judge. So they put kids in, you had to wear a helmet and a long white coat. And you stand behind the posts with flags. And if the ball goes through the post, you have to wave your flags. And it's terrifying. And because you've got these 10, well, I think it's maybe it's four horses per team or five. I can't remember. Anyway, these horses charging towards you. And the one bit of advice you're given is if a horse is running towards you, don't move, just stand still because they don't crash into trees so they'll think you're a tree and they'll just get around you so i was behind the goal and uh carlos Crescida, who was the greatest player at the time from argentina was charging towards me on this horse and so i stood still and then another horse was next to him uh also charging towards me and they both tried to go the same way and i got completely wiped out by these horses and um I had to go to hospital but um oh, but I, it was a slightly damaged leg and then Carlos promised to get me tickets to the Wimbledon final to say sorry. And he never uh, got in touch. Oh. <laughs> well, Carlos, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are. <laughs> He's a big fan. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Come on. I've, I've remembered his name ever since because because he let me down. But yeah, it's, wow. it's a really amazing sport to watch. I mean, it's, you know, Prince Charles used to play it down here. And it's it's a, obviously an elitist sport. But it's such a spectacle. And these they're so skilled, the guys who ride them. It's, it is amazing. That must be utterly terrifying because I've seen... I, I'm not massively into horse racing or you know that that sort of things, but I've been a couple of times, and I've, when you see these beasts up close, they're powerful yeah. and they're they're huge. And the horses are big as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the, yeah, God, the thoughts. Stand still, you'll be fine. Yeah, no, it was so frightening. That was terrible I, advice. I get, yeah, I get the shivers every time I see like if I hear horses thundering past me. But it's yeah, I recommend going to a polo match. But also, it, it's so funny watching the spectators because there is a there is a type. But it's yeah, anyone can go along to them. And I think it's quite cheap just to watch as a pedestrian. But um, yeah, that was my 
And that was my worst sporting interest. That's a good. That's a good one. Good one to end on. Um, yeah, I'm sorry for forgetting that. I'm sorry. No, that's a classic. We were doing a podcast for the. No, this is this is exactly how we roll. So you've you've come into it perfectly. <laughs> Are we going to start yeah. it soon? <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. start in a minute. Yeah. Are we all set? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> get get the jingle on, Matt. Come on, let's get yeah. the, get the keyboard where's, out. Where's the band? Where's the music? Yeah. We'll have a band Listen, next thank time. You, thank you so much, Alex. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat, and um, yeah, great to great to catch up. And thank you for thank you for writing a song about me. Uh, no, two, two songs about me. Well, I, I keep mentioning my parents. I did say, we're just having breakfast. I said, I've got to go in a minute. So I've got to do a podcast with Sir Chris Hoy. So it's it's very nice to have this uh, friendship, Chris. It, uh, more than a friendship. More than there's, there's, there's a, <laughs> a bond. A, a bond that cannot be broken. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll meet at the swings. We'll meet, we'll meet at the swings and push each other. And <laughs> I can film you too. Thank you so much, sure. Alex. Stuff. Take care. No, thank you. Do I just go now? It's entirely up to you. Okay. We're yeah, going to go and sit okay. and watch thank your BBC so Four documentary now. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what's next. Yeah. No, thank you. I really enjoyed that. Thanks a lot. Take, Take care. care. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.